0: Chapter twenty seven, part A of the Monastery by Walter Scott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter twenty seven, part A. Now, by our lady, sheriff, 'tis hard reckoning that I, with every odds of birth and barony, should be detained here for the casual death of a wild forester, whose utmost having is but the brazen buckle of the belt in which he sticks his hedge knife. Old play while edward was making preparations for securing and punishing the supposed murderer of his brother with an intense thirst for vengeance which had not hitherto shown itself as part of his character sir piercie shafton made such communications as it pleased him to the sub-prior who listened with great attention though the knight's narrative was none of the clearest especially as his self-conceit led him to conceal or abridge the details which were necessary to render it intelligible you are to know he said reverend father that this rustical juvenile having chosen to offer me in the presence of your venerable superior yourself and other excellent and worthy persons besides the damsel mary avanel whom i term my discretion in all honour and kindness a gross insult rendered yet more intolerable by the time and place my just resentment did so gain the mastery over my discretion that i resolved to allow him the privileges of an equal and to indulge him with the combat. "'But, Sir Knight,' said the sub-prayer, "'you still leave two matters very obscure. First, why the token he presented to you gave you so much offence, as I with others witnessed, and then again, how the youth, whom you then met for the first or at least the second time, knew so much of your history as enabled him so greatly to move you.' The Knight coloured very deeply. "'For your first query,' he said, "'Most Reverend Father, we will, if you please, pretermit it as nothing essential to the matter in hand, and for the second I protest to you that I know as little of his means of knowledge as you do, and that I am well-nigh persuaded he deals with Sethanus, of which more anon. Well, sir, in the evening I failed not to veil my purpose with a pleasant brow. As is the custom amongst us martialists, who never display the bloody colours of defiance in our countenance until our hand is armed to fight under them, I amused the fair discretion with some canzonettes and other toys which could not but be ravishing to her inexperienced ears. I arose in the morning and met my antagonist, who, to say the truth, for an inexperienced Villaggio, comported himself as stoutly as I could have desired. So, coming to the encounter, reverend sir. I did try his mettle with some half a dozen of downright passes, with any one of which I could have been through his body, only that I was loth to take so fatal an advantage. But rather, mixing mercy with my just indignation, studied to inflict upon him some flesh wound of no very fatal quality. But, sir, in the midst of my clemency, he, being instigated, I think, by the devil, did follow up his first offence with some insult of the same nature, Whereupon being eager to punish him i made an estremazon and my foot slipping at the same time not from any fault of fence on my part or any advantage of skill on his but the devil having as i said taken up the matter in hand and the grass being slippery ere i recovered my position i encountered his sword which he had advanced with my undefended person so that as i think i was in some sort run through the body my juvenile being beyond measure appalled at his own unexpected and unmerited success in this strange encounter takes the flight and leaves me there and i fall into a dead swoon for the lack of the blood i had lost so foolishly and when i awake as from a sound sleep i find myself lying and like you wrapped up in my cloak at the foot of one of the birch-trees which stand together in a clump near to this place I feel my limbs and experience little pain but much weakness i put my hand to the wound it was whole and skinned over as you now see it i rise and come hither and in these words you have my whole day's story i can only reply to so strange a tale answered the monk that it is scarce possible that sir piercie shafton can expect me to credit it here is a quarrel the cause of which you conceal a wound received in the morning of which there is no recent appearance at sunset a grave filled up in which no body is deposited the vanquished found alive and well the victor departed no man knows whither these things sir knight hang not so well together that i should receive them as gospel reverend father answered sir piercie shafton i pray you in the first place to observe that if i offer peaceful and civil justification of that which i have already averred to be true i do so only in devout deference to your dress and to your order protesting that to any other opposite saving a man of religion a lady or my liege prince i would not deign to support that which i had once attested otherwise than with the point of my good sword and so much being premised i have to add that i can but gauge my honour as a gentleman and my faith as a catholic christian that the things which i have described to you have happened to me as i have described them and not otherwise it is a deep assertion sir knight answered the sub-prior yet bethink you it is only an assertion and that no reason can be alleged why things should be believed which are so contrary to reason let me pray you to say whether the grave which has been seen at your place of combat was open or closed when your encounter took place reverend father said the knight i will veil from you nothing but show you each secret of my bosom even as the pure fountain revealeth the smallest pebble which graces the sand at the bottom of its crystal mirror and as speak in plain terms for the love of heaven said the monk these holiday phrases belong not to solemn affairs was the grave open when the conflict began it was answered the knight i acknowledge it even as he that acknowledgeth nay i pray you fair son forbear these similitudes and observe me on yesterday at even no grave was found in that place for old martin chanced contrary to his wont to go thither in quest of a strayed sheep at break of day by your own confession a grave was opened in that spot and there a combat was fought only one of the combatants appears and he is covered with blood and to all appearance woundless here the knight made a gesture of impatience nay fair son hear me but one moment the grave is closed and covered by the sod what can we believe but that it conceals the bloody corpse of the fallen duellist by heaven it cannot said the knight unless the juvenile hath slain himself and buried himself in order to place me in the predicament of his murderer the grave shall doubtless be explored and that by to-morrow's dawn said the monk i will see it done with mine own eyes but said the prisoner i protest against all evidence which may arise from its contents and do insist beforehand that whatever may be found in that grave shall not prejudice me in my defence i have been so haunted by diabolical deceptions in this matter that what do i know but that the devil may assume the form of this rustical juvenile in order to procure me farther vexation i protest to you holy father it is my very thought that there is witchcraft in all that hath befallen me since i entered into this northern land in which men say that sorceries do abound I, who am held in awe and regard even by the prime gallants in the court of Feliciana, have been here bearded and taunted by a clod-treading clown. I, whom Vincenzo Saviola termed his nimblest and most agile disciple, was, to speak briefly, foiled by a cowboy, who knew no more offence than is used at every country wake. I am run, as it seemed to me, through the body, with a very sufficient stoccata, and faint on the spot. And yet when I recover I find myself without either whem or wound, and lacking nothing of my apparel, saving my murray coloured doublet, slashed with satin, which I will pray may be inquired after, lest the devil who transported me should have dropped it in his passage among some of the trees or bushes, it being a choice and most fanciful piece of raiment, which I wore for the first time at the Queen's pageant in Southwark. Sir knight, said the monk, you do again go astray from this matter i inquire of you respecting that which concerns the life of another man and it may be touches your own also and you answer me with the tale of an old doublet old exclaimed the knight now by the gods and saints if there be a gallant at the british court more fancifully considerate and more considerately fanciful but quaintly curious and more curiously quaint in frequent changes of all rich articles of vesture becoming one who may be accounted point de a courtier, I will give you leave to term me a slave and a liar." The monk thought, but did not say, that he had already acquired right to doubt the veracity of the euphuist, considering the marvellous tale which he had told. Yet his own strange adventure, and that of Father Philip, rushed on his mind, and forbade his coming to any conclusion. He contented himself therefore with observing that these were certainly strange incidents, and requested to know if sir piercie shafton had any other reason for suspecting himself to be in a manner so particularly selected for the sport of sorcery and witchcraft sir sub-prior said the euphuist the most extraordinary circumstance remains behind which alone had i neither been bearded in dispute nor foiled in combat nor wounded and cured in the space of a few hours would nevertheless of itself and without any other corroborative have compelled me to believe myself the subject of some malevolent fascination reverend sir it is not to your ears that men should tell tales of love and gallantry nor is sir piercie shafton one who to any ears whatsoever is wont to boast of his fair acceptance with the choice and prime beauties of the court insomuch that a lady none of the least resplendent constellations which revolve in that hemisphere of honour pleasure and beauty but whose name i here preterm it was wont to call me her taciturnity. Nevertheless truth must be spoken, and I cannot but allow, as the general report of the court, allowed in camps, and echoed back by city and country, that in the alacrity of the accost, the tender delicacy of the regard, the facetiousness of the address, the adopting and pursuing of the fancy, the solemn close and the graceful fall-off, Piercy Shafton was accounted the only gallant of the time and so well accepted among the choicer beauties of the age, that no silk-hosed reveller of the presence-chamber, or plumed jouster of the tilt-yard, approached him by a bow's length in the lady's regard, being the mark at which every well-born and generous juvenile aimeth his shaft. Nevertheless, reverend sir, having found in this rude place something which by blood and birth might be termed a lady, and being desirous to keep my gallant humour in exercise, as well as to show my sworn devotion to the sex in general, I did shoot off some arrows of compliment at this Mary Avenel, terming her my discretion, with other quaint and well-imagined courtesies, rather bestowed out of my bounty than warranted by her merit, or perchance like unto the boyish fowler, who rather than not exercise his bird-piece will shoot at crows or magpies for lack of better game. "'Mary Avenel is much obliged by your notice,' answered the monk but to what does all this detail of past and present gallantry conduct us mary to this conclusion answered the knight that either this my discretion or i myself am little less than bewitched for instead of receiving my accost with gratifying bow answering my regard with a suppressed smile accompanying my falling off or departure with a slight sigh honors with which i protest to you the noblest dancers and proudest beauties in feliciana have graced my poor services she hath paid me as little and as cold regard as if i had been some hobnailed clown of these bleak mountains nay this very day while i was in the act of kneeling at her feet to render her the succours of this pungent quintessence a purest spirit distilled by the fairest hands of the court of feliciana she pushed me from her with looks which savoured of repugnance and as i think thrust at me with her foot as if to spurn me from her presence these things, reverend father, are strange, portentous, unnatural, and befall not in the current of mortal affairs, but are symptomatic of sorcery and fascination, so that having given to your reverence a perfect, simple, and plain account, of all that I know concerning this matter, I leave it to your wisdom to solve what may be found soluble in the same, it being my purpose to-morrow, with the peep of dawn, to set forward towards Edinburgh. I grieve to be an interruption to your designs, Sir Knight," said the monk, "'but that purpose of thine may hardly be fulfilled.' "'How, reverend father,' said the Knight, with an air of the utmost surprise, "'if what you say respects my departure, understand that it must be, for I have so resolved it.' "'Sir Knight,' reiterated the sub-prior, "'I must once more repeat—this cannot be—until the abbot's pleasure be known in the matter.' "'Reverend sir,' said the knight, drawing himself up with great dignity, "'I desire my hearty and thankful commendations to the abbot. But in this matter I have nothing to do with his reverend pleasure, Designing only to consult my own. "'Pardon me,' said the sub-prior, "'the lord abbot hath in this matter a voice potential.' Sir Piercy Shafton's colour began to rise. "'I marvel,' he said, "'to hear your reverence talk thus. What?' Will you, for the imagined death of a rude low-born frampler and wrangler, venture to impinge upon the liberty of the kinsman of the house of Piercy? Sir Knight, returned the sub-prior civilly, your high lineage and your kindling anger will avail you nothing in this matter. You shall not come here to seek a shelter, and then spill our blood as if it were water. I tell you, said the Knight, once more, as I have told you already, that there was no blood spilled but mine own. "'That remains to be proved,' replied the sub-prior. "'We of the community of St. Mary's of Kennequaire "'use not to take fairy tales in exchange for the lives of our liege vassals.' "'We of the house of Piercy,' answered Shafton, "'brook neither threats nor restraint. "'I say I will travel to-morrow. Happen what may.' "'And I,' answered the sub-prior, in the same tone of determination, "'say that I will break your journey, come what may.' Who shall gainsay me, said the knight, if I make my way by force? You will judge wisely to think ere you make such an attempt, answered the monk, with composure. There are men enough in the Halidome to vindicate its rights over those who dare infringe them. My cousin of Northumberland will know how to revenge this usage to a beloved kinsman so near to his blood," said the Englishman. The Lord Abbot will know how to protect the rights of his territory, both with the temporal and the spiritual sword, said the monk. Besides, consider, were we to send you to your kinsman at Alnwick or Workworth to-morrow, he dare do nothing but transmit you in fetters to the Queen of England. Bethink, sir knight, that you stand on slippery ground, and will act most wisely in reconciling yourself to be a prisoner in this place, until the abbot shall decide the matter. There are armed men now to countervail all your efforts at escape, let patience and resignation, therefore, arm you to a necessary submission." So saying, he clapped his hands, and called aloud. Edward entered, accompanied by two young men, who had already joined him, and were well armed. "'Edward,' said the sub-prior, "'you will supply the English knight here, in this spence, with suitable food and accommodation for the night, treating him with as much kindness as if nothing had happened between you.' but you will place a sufficient guard, and look carefully that he make not his escape. Should he attempt to break forth, resist him to the death, but in no other case harm a hair of his head, as you shall be answerable." Edward Glendinning replied, "'That I may obey your commands, reverend sir, I will not again offer myself to this person's presence, for shame it were to me to break the peace of the halidome, but not less shame to leave my brother's death unavenged.' End of chapter 27 Part A